Welcome back. I'm Anya Roy. Today's episode, Amun Lens, Israel and Palestine, is our introduction to Season 3 of the Global Unmod. This episode will explore the ongoing violence and political dissonance that has plagued Israel and Palestine, and how this issue can be viewed through a model UN perspective. When analyzing major global issues, specifically as a model UN delegate, there are three specific steps you must take. First of all, you must take into account an unbiased, factual outlook on the situation. This includes various substeps, such as finding impartial, credible news sources, which is detailed in Season 2, Episode 3, and disregarding prejudice prior to research, thereby conducting groundwork for your understanding on the event at hand with neutrality. Misinformation, bias, and lack of proper understanding are not only a disadvantage to delegates in a conference room, but are obstacles to your understanding of the problem at hand as an individual. Gaining untrue or one-sided information could be as detrimental as not having the knowledge at all. The second step is to explore the viewpoints of both sides. Looking at an issue rationally and developing your own thoughts on it based on the facts is extremely important, and it's crucial that this is completed first. Yet, empathy and understanding are also very important in being a model UN delegate. After knowing the facts, if you look at the opinions and individual beliefs of the people on both sides of the issue, you can grasp a better, more in-depth comprehension of the conflict you are researching. The third and final step is to, as I word it, Look at the issue through a model UN lens. Ask yourself, who are the key players in the international issue I'm researching? Who are the peripheral players? What barriers obstruct possible solutions? It's vital to understand that some issues you'll see in the world today haven't been solved for decades. Taking into account the complexity of the issue you're researching and not dismissing the roles that countries, cultures, and other differentiated factors have in catalyzing or controlling conflict is vital to seeing the issue through a model UN lens. On that note, I'm going to run through these steps using a major conflict that has lasted several decades and is a point of contention among supporting countries, the Palestinian and Israeli conflict. Though the Palestine and Israeli conflict ultimately sparked intention with the declaration of Israel as a sovereign state, understanding the entire background and root of the issue is key to understanding the disparities and lack of consensus between Israeli Jewish leaders and Palestinian Arabs. The Palestine and Israeli conflict can be traced back to the late 19th and early 20th century. In 1917, the British army occupied Jerusalem and became a colonial power in the Palestine area, which was, at the time, a part of the Ottoman Empire. The Balfour Declaration was written on behalf of the British to accept the responsibility of establishing Palestine as a national home for Jewish individuals. The Palestinian Arabs in the area at the time showed resistance to the declaration, but their complaints were ignored and unheard. In 1918, with the conclusion of World War I, the British took control of Palestine, and in 1920, Britain received a mandate for Palestine, which the League of Nations approved in 1922. Throughout the 1920s to the 1940s, Jewish people fled to Palestine to escape persecution, which heightened significantly during World War II. There were domestic tensions in Palestine, however, between the Arab majority and Jewish minority. In 1947, the United Nations proposed to split Palestine into an Arab territory and a Jewish territory, with Jerusalem as an international city. 
Although Jewish leaders accepted the plan, Palestinian Arabs did not, which led to the 1948 Arab-Israel conflict. In 1948, the British left Palestine, and Jewish leaders founded and declared the State of Israel. Arab disapproval of this led to the aforementioned 1948 Arab-Israel War. As a consequence, an event known as the Catastrophe occurred, in which 700,000 Palestinian Arabs were forced to flee from their homes in Israel, although some did stay behind. With the end of this war, Israel controlled most of the disputed territory. Jordan took the West Bank, and Egypt took Gaza. Jerusalem was divided. Israel controlled the West, and Jordanian forces controlled the East without a peace agreement. In 1967, the Six-Day War took place. Here, Israel defeated Jordan, Syria, Egypt, and other involved states. Israel, at the end of the war, occupied the entirety of Jerusalem, including its east portion, most of the Syrian Golan Heights, the Egyptian Sinai Peninsula, and the Gaza Strip, which is home to many Palestinian Arabs. The Palestinian Arabs in what was now known as Israeli-occupied territories in Gaza, the West Bank, parts of Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon were not permitted to go back to their homes in Israel, as the possible influx of Arabs into the state could deter Israel from remaining a Jewish-majority state. Israel pulled out of Gaza, and in the mid-2000s, Hamas, a Palestinian political and militant group, took control of it by winning legislative elections in 2006. Hamas is recognized by some countries as a terrorist organization. Due to bombings directed at Israel by Hamas, Israel created a military blockade around Gaza, preventing trade and limiting the living conditions severely of the 1.8 million Palestinians in Gaza. The future is uncertain regarding this conflict. Currently, Palestinians want their own recognized state to establish protection of Palestinian Arabs. Border issues get in the way. Palestinians want East Jerusalem as their future capital, and Israelis want to keep the entirety of Jerusalem as their capital. Palestinian Arabs and Jewish Israelis may also run into further border issues for Israel and a future Palestine. Other current issues include the return of Palestinian refugees to their homes in Israel in the future, which Israel's leaders say threatens the nature of Israel as a Jewish state. There is also the issue of the settlement of Israelis into regions of Jerusalem that Palestine regions and the UN claim to be illegal. Furthermore, the suffering of Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank due to Israeli restrictions to protect Israel from alleged Palestinian violence has also been contested across the globe. There are two broad proposed solutions. There is first the two-state solution. This makes Palestine a state and recognizes Israel as a state, but it is complicated by the lack of agreement between Israeli and Palestinian leaders on borders. There's also the one-state solution, which takes the entire disputed territory and makes it one state, either Palestine, which would advocate democracy and uplift the Arab majority, not Jewish Israelis, and silence that portion of the population, or Israel, which advocates for limited rights for Palestinians to create balance, which violates several human rights. In 2020 and 2021, the prominence of civilian casualties and deaths, police riots during Ramadan in April of 2021, and more as a result of Israeli and Hamas violence has spurred the UN to urge for Palestinian aid and end the conflict. 
Recently, 11 days of bombing in Gaza and Israel ended with a ceasefire, leaving over 10 Israelis dead from Hamas attacks and more than 200 Gazans dead from Israeli airstrikes that decimated buildings, homes, and communities in Gaza. Across the globe, protests and chants for resolution of the conflict and the defense of Palestinians and Israelis occur in Europe, North America, Australia, and more. The entire span of this research is very broad and doesn't tackle extreme specifics, but provides a general understanding of how to accomplish step one, unbiased and credible research. The second step involves exploring the views on both sides of the conflict. Palestine is facing extreme human rights violations. Most injuries and deaths incurred during the conflict today are by Palestinian civilians due to Israel's overbearing military forces and bombings, which have repeatedly put Palestinian civilians in danger. Hundreds of thousands of Israeli settlers are residing on supposedly occupied territory, which violates international law. Israeli control on borders of the West Bank have stifled the lives and rights of Palestinians inhabiting the area, causing strife under military occupation. Palestinians have been dislocated by Israel and have been subjected to unjust violence and death. They have no location or designated state that could offer them protection and sovereignty, and Israel has been shifting and blurring boundaries allegedly, which only increases their border issues. Israel, on the other hand, wants to be recognized as a state, which some countries in the region already refuse to do. As a so-called Jewish state, they don't want a Palestinian refugee influx into their borders in order to maintain this status. Israel is meant to be a safe haven for Jewish individuals after years of persecution. Allowing an Arab majority to enter would go against this goal. Additionally, Hamas, the Palestinian militant group, has shown Israel weaponized hostility, and Israeli leaders say they must defend themselves and their people. The measures they have undertaken in Gaza are, as claimed, necessary to defend and secure peace in response to Hamas action. There are several more perspectives worth considering. This issue is extremely complex and involves a multitude of factors that go beyond nationality and border disputes. However, these are some of the many highlighted outlooks that have been prominent during protests and should be considered when evaluating the stances of Israeli and Palestinian leaders alike. With that in mind, we can move into the third and final step, evaluate the conflict using a model UN perspective. The best way to do this is to pretend that you're conducting this research for a model UN conference. Not only will you want to understand the focal issue, as was done in steps 1 and 2, you will want to understand the ideals and views of peripheral countries. Clearly, in this scenario, the key players are Israel and Palestinian leaders. In Amman conference, though, there aren't just two states advocating their solutions. That's why it's important to evaluate who else is involved in the issue and how they could influence the situation. One developed country with intervention in the issue is the United States. The U.S., after World War II, became involved in the issue by supporting Jewish relocation to Palestine for safety purposes. Since then, the U.S. has protected Israel after its creation in various capacities, but has dedicated itself to advocating for a neutral stance, equal rights for both parties. Though it was contested that Trump's presidency showed a much more Israel-centralized position, Biden has claimed that he will resume the neutral two-state solution position the U.S. has tried to maintain for decades. Some claim that the U.S. support of Israel is slowing progress in resolving the Palestine-Israel conflict. 
Others add that removing the U.S. intervention would isolate Israel and create a necessity for even more Israeli military force. As of right now, the United States is presenting itself as an impartial, peace-working force involved in the Israel-Palestine conflict. Of course, with the multiple interstate border wars that occurred in the region as a result of the Israel-Palestine conflict, Israel's relations with various other Arab states have not been salvaged, while others have been on a road to progress. Egypt had developed a peace treaty with Israel in the late 1970s, and came to an agreement despite bitter border transfers in 1967. Syria, on the contrary, has not been able to develop peaceful and cooperative relations with Israel, which are further worsened by Syria's alliance with Iran, who is also on bad terms with Israel. Moreover, Israel's occupation of the Golan Heights in 1967 left Syria without a major military advantage, which creates even more tension. Israel and Lebanon are related through the 1967 conflict, in which Israel had occupied some of its territory and created dislocation of many Palestinians in the area. Due to anti-Israel groups in the state now, and previous occupation of Israel in southern Lebanon, their relationship is shaky, and Lebanon most likely will not interfere with the conflict. Additionally, Jordan and Israel have reached a peace treaty in which they agreed upon border disputes and now have normal relations. Jordan has claimed support for Palestinian rights, but Palestinian mistreatment is still prevalent within the country. As I've mentioned, this issue is much more complex, and other Arab states, not to mention other developed nations that have supported Palestine in recent years, play a huge role in the Israel-Palestine conflict. All of these countries, and many more, would be involved in a possible model UN conference centered upon this issue, so take into account the very broad range of countries that could play a role – developed, underdeveloped, border countries, allies, etc. And then we must evaluate the purpose of a committee in MUN, creating a solution. In MUN, solutions are obviously more simplified and wouldn't necessarily work in a much more complex world. Since developing a quick fix-it that is feasible in society is difficult, as a researcher, you should question yourself what could be getting in the way of the solutions proposed. In the Palestine-Israel conflict, the two broadest solutions, as detailed earlier, are the one-state and two-state solution. The two-state solution seems ideal, so why hasn't it been implemented? Border disputes and difficulty recognizing the other state causes both states to fail to reach an agreement through the two-state solution. The one-state solution isn't necessarily preferred, but it is becoming more and more recognized as the two-state solution seems more and more difficult to utilize. Yet, the one-state solution has several obstructions as well. How would the government function to best recognize the voices of Arabs and Jewish individuals alike? How severe would domestic tensions be? The inability to construct a clear-cut vision of how either solution would be implemented are major issues in promptly resolving the Palestine-Israel conflict, and these barriers must be analyzed on your part to best understand the intricacy of the dilemma. These three steps are extremely important in analyzing global or regional interstate conflicts that the UN has taken into account. Analyzing conflicts and the MUN or UN role in solving them is helpful to your career as a delegate and broadens your scope of awareness on global conflict and resolution. Researching interstate conflict outside or within a MUN capacity develops a better understanding of modern society, not just the one you're necessarily familiar with, but even one miles away from home, 
one that is as prominent, important, and deserving of our attention just the same. Using these three steps provided will help you best accomplish this goal. In our next episode, we'll explore the Syrian civil war and refugee crisis, as well as how the MUN perspective provides clarity on the destructive violence taking place within the state. Stay updated on the Global Unmod and subscribe to my podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, or Anchor, which is a completely free and accessible app. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you again for the next episode of the Global Unmod.